Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Hot Take Tuesday. All of these were submitted to us via social media, Facebook, Twitter, we're going to get to as many of them as we can in the next 20, 30 minutes. So buckle up. Jason Kelly back with me. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. Okay. So Jim Canfield on Twitter says, here's a conundrum. If the Yankees make the playoffs and face the Houston Astros, who do you root for? So, yeah, this is a tough one um, because I I despise cheaters in any sport. Um, I, I can't stand having to root for cheaters, but the New York Yankees are still the New York Yankees, and that will never change. It doesn't matter how embarrassing they get. It doesn't matter who their clown manager is um, or their lackluster talent on the roster. They're still the Yankees. And honestly, like, Astros fans are – annoying because they're so like uber defensive of their clearly cheating ball club but no one on this planet is more obnoxious than new york yankees fans and for that reason i am rooting for the astros because you yankees fans are the worst kind of human beings like every time i see one whether it's i'm watching a game at yankee stadium or fenway park like the open jersey with the big gold chain and the backwards hat and that just, Oh God, you, you all just look like such ass clowns. And I can't, I cannot align myself with that kind of fan base. So even though the Astros are dirty cheaters and their fan base is obnoxious as hell, because let's face it, you're from Houston. You live in Texas. You don't watch baseball. You watch football. Okay. And if your football team wasn't such an embarrassment, you wouldn't care about the Astros at all. But you claim to care about the Astros, so fine. You can pretend for a little bit longer. I'll go with the Astros because screw the Yankees and screw their obnoxious fans. I have a little bit different mindset on it. I'm assuming if if the Astros and the Yankees are playing each other in the playoffs, the Red Sox are on the other side of the bracket. So, and I, I don't have the 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 brain cells at this hour to try to figure out who we would end up playing or where the seating would be and whatnot. But but if if I have to play either two teams, I would actually rather play the Yankees. The I'm afraid of the Astros and they've throttled us twice. And that was pre-sticky stuff being banned. So I don't know what that looks like you know, after the banning of it, we know the Yankees, we know we can beat them. We've, we've beaten them twice. We're probably, I don't think we're going to sweep them every time for the rest of the year. That would be nice. But I I think the season series is going to be pretty lopsided 15 games to five, something like that. So uh, to be honest, I, I think I would actually root for the Yankees to pull the upset. Now, who do I hate more? Obviously the Yankees. And back in 2018, the Yankees were playing Oakland in the one-game wild card, 
And I was asked, I was a guest on another podcast, and they asked me who I was rooting for. And I also picked the Yankees because we had already been bounced two years in a row in the first round. And I just felt like Oakland could do that to us. If they win one of the games at Fenway and then we got to go play two in Oakland, we never play well out there, especially against them. So I kind of picked the Yankees again. So I think I would go that route. Yeah, I think from a yeah from a Red Sox standpoint, you're probably right. You'd want the Yankees because we can take care of them. Um, yeah, and we we've beaten Houston in the playoffs before too, but that was a different year. And I agree with you. I think Houston right now this year has more talent than the Yankees do. They've got a scarier lineup, and they they just they know how to win. I think I I think this Yankees team is just it's all talent and no balls. So I'll take the team that has no balls and doesn't know how to win over the team that has a little bit of an edge to them. So I agree with you there that, like, yeah, from a Red Sox standpoint, you want the Yankees. But just from a me personal standpoint, dealing with other fans from other fan bases, I want the Astros to win because I I love seeing Yankee fans suffer. Yeah, absolutely. And We've seen it. I haven't had time to even go through their threads from from today, but I could imagine there's a lot of fire cashman, fire Boone stuff in there. So I, I don't. I, yep. We looked at we covered Tampa's schedule on the last show. I, I don't know what the Yankees have coming up, but I hope it's uh, I hope it's rough. Sticking with the Yankees, uh, a guy who calls himself Honest Sports Takes. On Twitter, I love those anonymous-sounding accounts that don't oh, have yeah. that don't have a real name or a real picture. The avatar for this account it was Skip Bayless too, for Ugh. for full uh, context. But on honest sport takes says the Red Sox are a poverty franchise, and the Yankees still own us. Wow, that's that's a that's an interesting take. So let's let's look at the scoreboard. Let's look at the scoreboard. Let's go back to the year. Uh, I don't know. I just pick one. Two thousand four. Okay. So the Red Sox since two thousand four have won. Let's see. One, two, three, four championships. Have that right? Four, and and the Yankees have won once, once. So. To say that you own us when you're down one to four in World Series championships is a bit of a stretch. Um, the other thing, too, a poverty franchise. Okay. So, first of all, the Red Sox rank near the top in terms of payroll, like every single season. So, that's just factually inaccurate and just wrong. But the other thing, too, is okay, so we don't spend as much as the Yankees. Does it hurt us? I don't think so. Um, we, we didn't spend all that money on Giancarlo Stanton. How's that working out for you guys? Uh, we didn't spend a ton of money on Garrett Cole. How's that working out? Um, you know, who else is a poverty franchise? The Tampa Bay Rays. You know what the Tampa Bay Rays did last year? Oh, they went to the world series. Now they didn't win it, but they went, they were there. What were the Yankees doing? Oh, that's right. Sitting at home. Like they have been for the last 12 years. Okay. So whoever, what's this guy's name again? Honest sports takes, whatever. Yeah. What's his name? Yeah. Okay. That's not a very honest take. Um, I'm, I'm calling BS on your username too, because you're wrong about the payroll thing. The Red Sox spend money like crazy. It just maybe not as much as you guys. Sorry. Um, 
But the other thing, too, is I, I don't know if this guy needs to be reminded of this, but the World Series does not go to the team that spent the most money. Um, you actually have to win it in this sport. I, I know that's a foreign concept to Yankee fans because they go out and sign Garrett Cole and they go, oh, World Series, here we come. We're going to win the World Series. And it's like, no, nah, but you're not. No, because your team's still a team of choking dogs that don't know how to win. Your manager is a joke. Your GM is a joke. Um, so you don't own us. In fact, if anything, the last 20 years, the Red Sox have completely owned your asses. And it's not even close. So keep going ahead and keep spending that money and keep calling other franchises that win poverty franchises because we don't hand out stupid contracts like they're candy like you guys do. That's fine. We'll all go and win the World Series, and you Yankee fans can sit at home and watch as other teams win the World Series apart from you because that's your destiny for a long, long time. So have fun with that. In some ways, the rivalry kind of ended in 2004, if you ask me. I mean, they weren't – we didn't cross paths with them in 2007 because they were on the other side of the bracket and they got bounced right away. I think the Indians took them out. And then 2009, yeah, they won a championship, but it wasn't at our expense. We didn't face them in the playoffs. And then – the Yankees after that, I think they went to an ALCS that was in 2012 and then went into purgatory for close to five years. And the Red Sox, in, during that five-year span, 2013, we win another one. The rivalry kind of did kick up again in 2018 because you had the Joe Kelly, Tyler Austin situation. And where the hell is Tyler Austin these days? <laughs> Uh, He couldn't even make the San Francisco Giants roster. So that's where he is. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then I, the, the postseason I thought was kind of anticlimactic. I mean, we beat them three games to one. We did have the Aaron judge, New York, New York thing that kind (laughs) of captivated everyone. But, but I thought that series was anticlimactic. And if you look at it, Compared to any Red Sox matchup before, that was the first one in the social media era. The first time the Red Sox played the Yankees in the social media era. I mean, how did you talk smack to Yankees fans in 0304? It was like on the streets. It was it was playfully with your coworkers and whatever because your part of the office was decorated differently than theirs. Um, so it should have had a more intense feel, but it it didn't because we completely buried them in game three in the Severino start, which ended up being what? 16 to three, something like that. It was a football score. Brock Holt hit for the cycle. And I just, it hasn't been much of a rivalry. And if you look at the way the teams are trending right now, the Yankees are trending downwards. They've got, a very flawed roster and their farm isn't great. Like why isn't Davey Garcia up? He should be major league ready, but every time they bring him up, he gets clobbered. So, and their other prospect, unfortunately, I think he had Tommy John Clark Schmidt. If not, he's got elbow issues regardless. So, um, so if anything, the, the Yankees have 
by far gotten the worst of it. They've lost to the Astros twice, and you can say cheating or not. There was, I think his name was Ryan Spader. I'm not familiar with him. He's kind of like a fringe blogger, but he dropped a bunch of bombshells one day. One of them was that the Yankees also had cameras in the outfield. But unlike the Astros focusing on the catcher's mitt, the Yankees were focusing on the pitcher's hand to see what grip he was having. So we don't know if this is true or not, but some journalist or blogger apparently had sources that said that that's what the Yankees were doing. So, I mean, it's going to be a painful decade for Yankees fans. And they they better hope Cashman gets fired. And here's the hilarious part. Some of them aren't even smart enough to hope that Cashman gets fired. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are some of them that they don't want Cashman to get fired because they're like, well, Cashman's the only guy who has the balls to sign Judge to an extension. I'm like, you want to sign Judge to an extension now? Like, that that's what you want to do? Now, granted, he's probably your best player right now, but, like, you know, think of the long term. You, you want to add another bad contract to the pile? Like, oh, it's so bad. And they still want to give him praise for the Chapman deal, which brought over Glaber Torres. But what's he? He's a guy in his 20s who is, you know, hitting 240 right now and, and can't stay on the field half the time. Yep. So, yeah. Yankees are going to. They're they're in for a rough decade, let's put it that way. And last decade was the first in franchise history that they didn't go to a World Series. They made the ALCS twice in that time frame. Once against the Rangers, lost to them. Another time against the Tigers, lost to them. So they didn't go to the World Series for a, a full decade, so... Well, we'll see how that works. And meanwhile, the Red Sox this century have won more championships than anybody. And ironically, the team closest, the Giants, who have three, they were 50 and 26 coming into Sunday. And we question the sustainability of them, but stranger things have happened. So we'll we'll see how their season plays out, if they're going to be buyers at the deadline and continue to keep the Dodgers and the Padres at bay. It's looking like the Padres are going to take that division. I I feel like, I feel like that's where the momentum is going. It's yeah. It's feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. Dodgers are not looking as uh, invincible as people thought they would be. Yeah. Darvish is having a great year. And if, if they can just figure out Blake Snell, who's been up and down, but all right, so I got to go to the screenshots for this next one. Uh, this will be the last of uh, the Yankees ones before we get into some more Red Sox centric stuff. Let's see, this is a different device. All right, so this came from Reckless Airwaves Radio, which I was actually a guest on their show. So if you scroll down through the tweets on either my personal at Cushman MLB account or bastards underscore Boston on Twitter, you could find the link to that. And it was kind of entertaining. But uh, the host of that show uh, tweeted at me. He says, Yankee fans actually thought it was a debate between Garrett Cole and Jake DeGrom. Who was better here in New York 
before Spider Cole couldn't cheat anymore. And then he ends it by going, ha, 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 like a really long ha, 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 ha. So he thinks it's hilarious. I think, I mean, it's insane what DeGrom's doing. His his ERA is a half a run. It's .50 right now. Yeah, it, Jacob DeGrom has been the best pitcher in baseball for the last five-plus years. I mean, it, it's probably not even close. Um, so I don't understand how Yankee fans can look at Garrett Cole just because he had one turnaround season with the Astros. I mean, okay, great. But even his first year with New York, was he anywhere close to a Cy Young caliber pitcher? Probably not. He was good. He wasn't terrible. He started out a little flaky, but he was up and down. It was, you know, it wasn't at no point did anyone say that Garrett Cole was the most dominant pitcher in the American League. Jacob DeGrom, it's like it's a no brainer. You ask people who's the most dominant pitcher in the National League, it's Jacob DeGrom. It's not close. Like it used to be Scherzer. Scherzer's gotten a little bit older now, so he's dropped off a little bit. Um, You know, I'm sure Brewers fans will tell you that it's Corbin Burns, but no, it's it's Jacob DeGrom. And I, again, this is just Yankee fans. They they just love to overvalue their own guys. I mean, they you had Yankee fans telling you that D.D. Gregorius was like, you know, the greatest shortstop in the American League when he was there. And it's like, no, he just hit for a little more power because you have a ridiculous right field wall. And now that he's in Philly, nobody remembers who he is. Like, it's just classic Yankee fans, and they're so wrong. And look, I think Garrett Cole is a really good pitcher. I'm I'm not, you know... I'm not saying that Garrett Cole sucks, but to even think that he's on the same level as DeGrom is a joke because nobody is on DeGrom's level. He's on a whole nother plane all by himself. So like that guy, if he stays healthy and he just does what he does, he's going to rack up Cy Young's every year. Like that's how nasty he is. Like no one can touch his stuff. So yeah, again, Yankee fans, sorry, but I know you all love to overrate your own guys, but Cole is nowhere close to DeGrom. Yeah, and I've kind of bashed the Mets quite a bit over the last several years because they've always looked so good on paper at the start of the season. And actually, that wasn't quite the case this year. I I know they had... They had Lindor added to it, and we still haven't seen Carlos Carrasco yet. He pulled his hamstring again, and this is the second time in his career he'll have missed a a big chunk of a season due to a a hamstring strain. But but I don't think anybody was really looking at the Mets like we were looking at the Braves. That Going away, I think we were all unanimous with the Braves when we picked the NL East. And the Mets have weathered the storm and they lost some key guys to injuries and they're about to get, well, they did get Jeff McNeil back and I think Mike Conforto will be coming back. So another big piece of their outfield. So I'm kind of rooting for the Mets and the real tragic thing about Jake DeGrom is for all of his prime, basically he hasn't been in the playoffs as a, as a young starter. He did have that 2015 run where they lost to uh, Kansas city, 
uh, in five games in that World Series. But I hope for the Mets' sake that they do get in and they don't have to play a wild card game and that Jake DeGrom gets to start some game once in as many series as as they end up playing. So with Garrett Cole, I think in the post spider tack era, I still think he's going to be a quality pitcher. Is he going to be the $326 million man that they thought they were getting? Probably not. But the <laughs> the real hilarious thing to me about Garrett Cole is this, and I, I probably said it on the show once and I know I've tweeted it before. He's going to deeply regret signing with the Yankees and he might not regret it during his career, but when he's in his mid forties, early fifties, and his career has been over for 10 plus years, he's going to be a little disappointed that he never won a championship. And yet his bitter rival, Trevor Bauer signed with the Dodgers who are more than capable. I know they're scuffling, and we were just talking about the Giants and Padres, but the Dodgers could go on an insane run and then light it up in October. But Bauer ended up with a better team that was probably, arguably, has the best GM in all of Major League Baseball, Andrew Friedman, and has the better shot to win a championship. So Cole is the biggest loser all the way around on many levels, in multiple scenarios. So the fact that Jake DeGrom is getting all the glory in New York, that's fine. I'm good with that. Yep. Yep. So getting into some Red Sox stuff here, Anthony Letalian on Facebook, I hope I pronounced that right, says... Tanner Houck should take Garrett Richards' next turn in the rotation and outright release Richards and take the loss on his contract. So I, yeah, the first part of that I'm in favor of. Um, I have no problem with taking Garrett Richards out of the rotation uh, at this point. Um, I don't think that this guy knows how to pitch. I don't think he has a confidence to be a starting pitcher right now. Like he sounds like a broken guy and just his confidence is completely shattered. So give me the 25 year old who wants to stay on the roster, you know, put him in the rotation and, you know, let him sort of show that motivation. That's fine. Um, The part about outright releasing Garrett Richards. I don't love that idea. That's a lot of money to eat. And I don't know. I, I still feel like Garrett Richards, he's been in the league long enough. You can do something with him, even if it's turning him into, you know, another Brandon Workman, where it's a former starter that you turn into a reliever, right? You put him in the bullpen. I mean, your bullpen's okay, but it hasn't been, you know, it's not like there's no one in there that you can, you know, whose spot he can take. He you can you can slot him in there somewhere. So look, this is a this is a Kai and Bloom thing. Like he's the one that paid you know, eight and a half to 10 million for Garrett Richards. So he's got to figure out a way to make this work. And I don't think that if the Red Sox are going to be a first place team, he can't stay in the rotation. Not, not if he keeps pitching like this. Now, if he miraculously turns it around, fine, but we're into mid to late June now. So you're running out of time. Um, 
So Bloom has to make this work. He's either got to find a trade partner. I, I don't know if that's even possible at this point because I don't know who the hell would want to take that contract. But he's either got to do that or he's got to say, okay, we're stuck with this guy for $10 million. Let's find a bullpen role for him. Let's, let's turn him into a reliever and just try to get as much value, try to extract as much value out of that guy as we can. Um, the idea of putting Tanner Houck in his spot, I love it. I mean, again, 25-year-old, he, he wants to be in the rotation. I think he's got the mentality for it. I think Houck has a little bit of that gamesmanship in him. Like He wants to prove that he deserves to be in the rotation. So I'm all for it at this point because I'd rather that than watch Garrett Richards go out there in five days and just puke all over his cleats. So I'm all set. Well, as far as the timing of everything, by the time this show comes out, Garrett Richards will have made his start against the Royals in Game 1. Tanner Houck has had two rehab starts, one of which was just a couple innings. Uh, The other, I think, went at least three innings, and he looked okay. I, I don't think he lit the world on fire, but the important thing so far is that his elbow is held up and there doesn't seem to be any any major issues. So he's at least one more rehab start from being able to at least be an option to join the Red Sox. So that would be roughly at least 10 days from now. So Richards is going to get a couple more looks. But here's my concern. Is he a major league pitcher without a viable curveball? Because his whole pitching arsenal is predicated on him having a good curveball. So, I mean, it's very possible to me that he could be out quickly, like Justin Masterson was. And his was more injury-related. But that, And then, as well, if... Richards has to change his mechanics at 33 years old. That could lead to an injury. Yeah. And you look at the whole reason that they signed him, right? Was the spin rate, the spin rate and the RPMs that he got on that curveball. Like they love that. They're like, Oh, you guys don't understand. This is like a hidden weapon. Okay. Well now that's been taken away from him. Not, you know, I, Granted, you can blame Major League Baseball. You can blame Garrett Richards. I think it's a little bit of both. But he can't throw that curveball anymore. He's admitted it. Like, he said it out loud to reporters and press conferences. He goes, yeah, I can't throw my curveball. So, you know, he's either got to relearn how to do it or, yeah, he's kind of just not the same guy. Again, his whole thing, it was never about the fastball or about anything else. Like, it's he needs that curveball. He needs that curveball to throw hitters off. If he can't do that, then, yeah, he's he's not the same guy. And honestly, like, the more I hear from him, he sounds like a guy that kind of wishes that he could just retire and just kind of, you know, it's almost like he wishes it was the end of the season and he could just go, oh, whatever, screw this. Like, they're going to start cracking down on the spider attack or whatever else. And the hell with it. I've had a good career. I've made money. I'm good. I'm going to take my $10 million and just ride off into the sunset. Um, it's tough though, because it's June. So, you know, I, I think he's also a kind of guy that like, he probably doesn't want to quit on his team this early on, but it's not sounding good. 
he does not sound like the kind of guy who's going to figure it out. He just sounds like he's done. So, yeah, I, I don't love it. As far as the money goes, though, there's five million essentially is is what the balance would be at this point once once July gets here. Yeah. Um. So maybe it's not the biggest loss. I just don't. I'd love to know how expendable he could be. Now I have a conspiracy theory here, and maybe there's something to it. Maybe I'm dead wrong and way off. I don't know. And it's not the first time it's been the latter. I'll be the first to admit <laughs> that. But we're starting to see some pitchers have pretty good movement. We saw it with Rodriguez on Sunday. I thought Martin Perez, even though his outing was brief, he had pretty good movement on some of his pitchers, on some of his pitches, excuse me. And in other games I've made similar observations. I'm wondering if MLB is letting some of these teams tinker with a certain substance. I have no idea what that substance would be, but maybe Maybe they have one in mind that could be a universal substance that these pitchers can use and it would make them all happy and it would kind of level the playing field because some of these guys couldn't locate anything for a couple days. So the thing I'm going to be watching for in Monday's start with Richards is does he suddenly have the ability to locate the curveball? Because two starts ago, he didn't even try throwing it. He did not throw one single curveball. I, I can't. I think that was against Tampa. And then, or excuse me, nope, that was against Kansas City. And then in his second start uh, after that, his next start after that against Tampa, he threw eleven curveballs. And only three were strikes. So two starts ago, no curveballs at all. Start after that, 11, three were strikes. If in game one against the Royals, his curveball is effective, I'm going to be more suspicious of that theory. So that, that'll that be one thing to watch. But um, I just... I, think he could be pretty short term here because people are clamoring clamoring for Tanner Houck to come up and so you got to make a spot there and then you got to make one for sale right after so I yeah the the roster moves will get a little tricky at that point if people want Houck and sale up here which they obviously want sale so that's already a roster spot you got to clear so if you want Houck up here too you're right Gets a little tricky at that point. Gets a little more crowded than you might think. Right. Yeah. The the other one that's semi expendable at the moment, uh, just based on complete recency bias, would probably be Perez. I mean, Pavetta is as safe as you could be, and Erod's going the other way. And at face value, he could still have a hell of a second half. So. We are already at 30 minutes, so that that's crazy. And I thought it, we were going to go faster because there's only two of us, and uh, we took we took a little while longer. Let me try to find one more in here real quick. Yeah, I got one. Let's go with – this guy's followed me for a long time on Twitter. Um, another anonymous account, but uh, 
at least he doesn't troll us. Uh, <laughs> his is Reality Beaker, and his avatar is like a bird puppet type thing. Maybe maybe it's a character on a TV show that I'm unfamiliar with. But um, he says, I hated Nathan Avaldi's contract when they signed it. But all in all, he's been worth it. Yeah, I kind of I'm buying more and more into that, uh, especially this year. Like he's he's been solid. And, you know, we all hated the money at the time. And I mostly hated the money because of his injury past. This is a guy who could never stay healthy and always had elbow issues. And I said it at the time when they signed him, I was like, that elbow is going to explode. Like the way that he throws, the velocity he throws at, it's just not going to last. He's had a few minor IL stints, but for the most part, he's been good. He's been healthy. And in 2018, he was a goddamn hero. I mean, you know, you can't undersell that. So he was a major part of that team. Uh, This year, he's been your kind of de facto ace because Rodriguez got off to a bad start and is kind of slowly finding his way back. The rest of the rotation was one big question mark. Um, but he's he's been Mr. Reliable. And if he continues to go like this, he's eight and four right now, ERA in the mid threes. Like, I don't know. He keeps winning games. You're looking at a guy who might win you 15, 16 games this year. And, you know, he's going to bring your team to the playoffs. That's absolutely worth the money for 17 million. Sure. Yeah, no problem. Like, again, pitcher contracts are getting out of control. Look at what the Yankees are paying Garrett Cole. Look at what the Dodgers are paying for Trevor Bauer, who I don't think has been all that great this year. Like pitcher contracts are a joke right now. And it looked bad at the time, but you've actually got Nathan Avaldi at kind of a discount. Cause I think Nathan Avaldi, if he was on the free agent market right now, would be getting 25 million. So you've got him at a little bit more of a discount than you might've thought when he first signed the deal. So, um, I'm in favor of it. I, I love the guy. He's he's fun to watch when he goes out there on the mound. He pitches great games. Um, he's been reliable. So, yeah, ultimately, it has been worth it. His contract is four years, $68 million, so that's $17 million per year. Um. I wasn't in favor of it. I thought the I thought it was too many years. I thought he should have been signed for two or three. If I got my wish, this would be the third year of that deal. I said at the beginning of the season, I thought maybe they should be outside the box and maybe use him in the bullpen as a reliever. And then as you got closer to the playoffs, then stretch him out if you need a starter because he has a flair for those type of games. But... I didn't think he would exceed 120 innings based on his injury history. He's already at 90. Not one single, not one single injured list stint. Not one start skipped. Extremely, everybody's gone on a bad run too. Well, except for Pavetta and Evaldi, but. Perez looked terrible for a few starts and still hasn't quite righted the ship. Erod's just riding the ship now after a brutal stretch. Evaldi's had a couple of bad starts, but they've been spotty. They haven't been in bunches. And I mean, last year was a throwaway year anyway. And 
when I wrote this question down, I thought back to 2019 and I'm like, he missed two months due to the loose bodies in his arm, the bones chips. So he had to have a minor surgery on that. Craig Kimbrell, I think had, no, his was a knee surgery. I take that back. Uh, but it, it was a surgery that kept him out for, it was like six or eight weeks. He never got it together. And I'm like, if he was right for the full season, could we have gotten into the playoffs? And the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, not really because sale went down at the end of the year. Price supposedly was injured, if you want to believe that. Yeah. And so uh, you can't even say that that year really cost the Red Sox by having a Voldy because so many things went wrong. So the one similar comp to this, could be the John Lackey deal, which I think was a five-year deal. And in year four of it, 2013, we win the World Series. The previous three years were he was either junk or he had Tommy John and missed uh, basically a full season. So, yeah. So it's hard to hate the contract at this point. Now, if he goes on the DL next week, will I change my mind? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But at this point, I'm just glad he's pitching well. We have Sale, we have Hauk, we have depth. So we also have the luxury of not worrying about it. And as long as he's healthy for a playoff run, he could pitch a big spot and and give us a chance to win. So, yeah. So we'll see. Maybe maybe we'll feel great about it. Maybe we'll look back and be like, geez, Dave Dombrowski did us a solid. We thought he screwed us, but we'll see. But we apologize. We had at least three or four more on here that we were going to get to. We try to keep this around 30 minutes. It's going to be 38 minutes when all is said and done. So we will wrap on that. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again on Thursday night to record the outcome of the Royal Series and if anything else develops over the week as well. So we'll be back with you for your Friday morning commute. Take care.